I'm Kyle Dyer, and welcome to Colorado Inside Out on this April the 28th. There is just one week left in the legislative session here in Colorado, and still there are hundreds of bills awaiting some kind of action. Let's start this week's conversation by first introducing our panel, Patty Calhoun, founder and editor of Westward, Marianne Goodland, legislative reporter for Colorado Politics and the Colorado Springs Gazette, and as of last weekend, this year's recipient of the Colorado Society Professional Journalists Keeper of the Flame Award. Way to go, Marianne. We also have Ed Sealover with us, vice president of strategic initiatives and editor of the Sum and Substance at the Colorado Chamber of Commerce, and Laura Carno, author and executive director at Faster Colorado. This week, a new report distinguished Colorado as the fourth most expensive state when it comes to average down payment for first-time home buyers. The MoneyWise report puts us right behind Hawaii, California, and Washington. This, as Governor Polis's affordable housing plan was watered down by lawmakers. And Patty, a lot of what the governor proposed is gone. Well, watered down is... <laughs> a kind way of putting gutted, filleted. There is so little of his original proposal left. His original proposal was really vast and, as some critics said, just land grabbing, taking away power from local governments and putting it in the hands of the state. Obviously, that is the only thing that could probably bring together the plains, the western slope, mountain towns, urban towns. It brought everyone together because everyone hated it. And now we see the end result is basically that's gone. There will be no state control. And it looks like we're going to have a study of affordability. We do know some easy answers, not enough housing, still a desirable desirable place to live. We'll see if anything else comes up. But it's a big disappointment, certainly for Polis this session, and a lot of wasted time. Marianne, you have been there through all of this. What has it been like? Uh, it has it has been really really interesting to see, um, and Democrats are the ones who are really pushing back um, the hardest on this on this proposal. Uh, the bill has been stalled in the Senate now for some time. It finally got through a very critical committee hearing this week, the Senate Appropriations Committee, where two Democrats, the chair and vice chair of the committee, said, "Take out local, take out the state control, or we can't vote for this." That was their bright line in the sand. So they got that. Is the bill ready? Not by a long shot. You still have Democrats who want to see more about um, where front-range communities that are planning to build denser development, where they're going to get their water from. This is a huge concern for people on the Western Slope because they believe that uh, front-range communities are going to look to the Western Slope for that water and they are going to fight back against that. You also still have a really very critical piece that's missing from this bill. And that's a definition of affordability. There's no there was never a requirement in the original bill that you build affordable housing, just that you build housing. And there, there's a world of difference between the two. The amendment that was approved this week still does not resolve that issue. And you're still, you still have a lot of lawmakers who want to see that very explicitly defined as what kind of affordable housing and how much can we actually get from this. Right now, what's, what's left over in the bill is what's known as a housing needs assessment, which pretty much everybody seems to support. But it's definitely, a, it's been eviscerated, as one of my colleagues at the Colorado Sun referred to it, um, from what, where it started out, and a major defeat for the governor. Major defeat. Ed. 
You know, what's interesting is when you look at the rankings uh, in places like CNBC, uh, we'll say, hey, Colorado has the best workforce in, in the country. Uh, and we are now 32nd in the cost of living and 36th in the cost of doing business. And the second one in large part because of the cost of property out here. This is clearly uh, an issue that, that business groups got into. Even those who didn't back the bill necessarily would say, look, we've got to consider this because right now our employees uh, are not able to, to live anywhere near their, their places of work. And frankly, that's making it a lot harder for employers to recruit people. Uh, I think what the governor did was put forward a plan where he thought that could answer those concerns. Uh, and I don't think he had any idea how much pushback he was getting uh, from municipal folks, from people who believe in local control. Look, when, when the mayors of Colorado Springs and Aspen line up against the same bill, you know you've got problems. Um, and, and I think what they need to do now is come back to the table and sit down and say, okay, here's what we agree on. How do we get there? I don't know after this kerfuffle if that's going to be easy. Yeah, and, and, or will anything really be settled in any near time frame? Laura. Yeah, and it, this is proof that many ideas that, that come out of the Gold Dome aren't playing well um, throughout the rest of the state. Um, you know, you're at the, under the Gold Dome, you've got lots of opinions that um, are formed there and discussed there, and maybe not all of the stakeholders um, were brought into the process early enough. But I, I think that Colorado is so diverse from you know mountains to plains to Western Slope, um, there is not going to be a one-size-fits-all solution to something like this. And with so little time left in the legislative session, I don't know that anything helpful, um, that they're going to have time to, to put together anything helpful um, at all. If, if I were to set forward a nirvana um, scenario, if we had lots of time to, to solve this problem, um, I would want government to go through um, at the state and local level, what are all of the things that have been passed over the years that have made um, housing more expensive? And take a look at those and what, what could be repealed uh, to make housing more affordable. That's interesting. To, to that yeah. point, um, Senator Barbara Kirkmeyer uh, had an amendment that has not so far gotten traction. But one of the things that people really like is to do exactly what Laura's talking about, which is a statewide housing summit. And we'll see whether that actually makes it into the bill. Everybody, including the bill sponsor, liked that idea. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. Thank you. Um, what are you guys keeping your eyes on? Because, Marianne, you probably know how down to the hours and minutes how much time is left in this session. Yes. I mean, <laughs> what do you think? Are we going to get... There, and there are some big issues still out there that haven't been really discussed or moved along. And the biggest one of all is property taxes. Yep. And the governor made this one of the things that he talked about during his State of the State address. He said, we're going to come up with a long-term solution to deal with an anticipated major hike in property taxes, 50% for some communities, maybe even higher for others. And so far, we have seen... We have not seen anything that looks like a long-term solution. We've seen a lot of proposals from lawmakers about short-term solutions, and there's even money in the budget for some short-term property tax relief that isn't going to make a huge, huge dent, but it's enough so that people can look at their property tax bills and go, well, this isn't so bad. That long-term solution has been elusive, and with 11 days to go, uh, 10 days to go, um, I'm not sure we're going to see it, and unfortunately... I'm starting to hear the words I dread more than anything in the whole world, which is special session. I think we've all heard those words over this issue, the property tax. And people are getting their assessments now and are yes, seeing they are. it. Yeah.
Ed? I think one that, that needs to be kept an eye on uh, over the last week and a half here is House Bill 1294. This was introduced as a major bill uh, to redo the air quality permitting system in the state to make it a lot harder uh, for any new uh, sources, even of what are considered minor pollutants, to get uh, air quality permits. Now, the bill got bumped back in many ways to a study, uh, which was supposed to ease the... Uh, um, the opposition. It hasn't, though, because the bill still does some really major things, including requiring CDPHE, the Colorado Department of Public Health and Environment, to investigate every claim that comes into them. That is something they say, look, we can't do right now. And it sets up an interesting dynamic where uh, the governor's office, or through CDPHE and the Colorado Oil and Gas Conservation Commission, has come out against this bill saying, we can't do this. This isn't realistic. You say this is going to cost $5 million. We think it's going to cost $31 million. Um, this is a big big picture discussion that has failed to get off the ground uh, for two sessions in a row, it seems. And the question is whether you, you run this bill through now or step back uh, and, and maybe take a bigger picture look at it. It'll be interesting, too, to see if Polis, who's got to be smarting a little bit from the legislature, not going along with his housing plan, now comes in and says, I'm just going to veto this if you don't listen to us and we kill this bill. Hmm. Okay, Laura, what do you keep an eye on? Yeah, I'm, I'm with Marianne, um, property taxes. And so I, I live in a little bit more rural community and um, seeing county assessors coming out to community groups and saying, please don't shoot the messenger. This is what's going to happen. And, and it's um, in, in some of these communities where people are a little bit more paycheck to paycheck or living on fixed incomes, this is a really big deal. And, you know, so when we're looking at, you know, 40 to 50 percent increases in in any kind of a bill and some, with somebody with a fixed income, that's a huge deal. Um, so if, if there was something, if I was I, waving my magic wand today, if there was something that the legislature was looking at to um, make something more affordable in this legislative session, because we know a whole lot of things are going to become less affordable pretty quickly here. We like your magic wand ideas, I, though. I, right? I use it a lot. And, and but it wasn't Polis in his state of the, the state of the state was all about we have to make Colorado affordable, and it just seems like we're talking now about things that are not working. They're not going to make it affordable, Patty. Well, it became a little easier because it's warmer out, so XL bills are down, and gas prices aren't quite as high as they are. But we are going to be looking at this. It's going to be worse next winter when all of a sudden you're looking at huge property taxes. So that's a big deal. We have a couple bills that have gone down, so are not going to be cluttering up the last few days of the session. The safe... Um, the, harm, the safe injection site is gone. That's off the table. We have the rent control bill off the table. A lot of controversial discussions at least won't have to be had. But uh, also interesting is, I talked about it last week, but the whole psychedelics, the things they're putting in place to regulate 122, and indigenous communities and religious communities are getting a little upset now that under uh, the bill proposed by Fenberg, that they may not be able, they're going to have uh, regulations imposed upon them by a new bill, and they're actually going to be more limited in what they've been able to execute. So that's going to be a controversial one in the next 10 days. Okay. There is a lot of attention, uh, international attention on Colorado this week and Denver, with the city's Summit of the America going on. And Ed, there are panels and meetings having to do with topics we're discussing, and, and, but dis, you know, discussions across the Americas. 
how to do housing affordably, immigration, you know, homelessness. All these issues are being talked about from people all over here this week. Yeah, I think this is actually a very appropriate thing to almost cap off Michael Hancock's 12 years as mayor. We have an election now where everyone seems to be running as far away from Hancock as they possibly can. But at the same point, if you can look at one thing that he did really well during his term, it is raising Denver's international profile. You know, for example, he reinstated the Global Business Development Office just since 2018. 35 companies have put their international headquarters or their U.S. headquarters uh, in uh, in color in the de- in. Denver, period. Um, He has helped to uh, generate the 28 international destinations we see from DIA. Um, and I think it's appropriate that Denver kind of welcomes the world and says, look, we have a place in the world now, and, and we want to be at the center of these discussions. And I think it's going to be important for whoever follows him, and this is not a big issue in the campaign, but forever follows him in that job to say, yes, Denver has stepped up. We can attract international talent. We need to keep doing it, and maybe we'll learn a couple things from this time this week. Okay. All right. It, it was a bidding process that I guess was very rigorous, and the president was the one who decided that Denver should be the location. Yeah, and so it's, you look around and you say, what a beautiful place for a, a conference to bring people in from all over, um, all over the world. Um, and if we're talking about homelessness, um, it's right outside the doorstep of, of the actual convention center. So, you know, a, a question is, uh, will will that look different once the conference starts, or is it going to look like it would, you know, on any typical day? We remember when the All Star Game came here, and uh, Lodo was um, looked very different from a, a homeless encampment standpoint than it would on on any day. So it'll be interesting to see um, if if that's part if homelessness is part of the discussion, if Denver is honest about what its problem is and, and um, you know, wants to talk to the world honestly about that. You know, and, and Denver at right now isn't so pretty. We have people who have no other choice but to live on the streets, they feel. We have, you know, the 16th Street Mall that is empty being rebuilt. It, it, I hope this is a great week for Denver. I really do. Well, and the good thing is Hancock, who's been on several international travels, junkets over the last four years, at least he has to stay home, so it won't cost us anything for that. I've been driving around downtown since it started Wednesday. Actually, Tuesday, poor Canada basically had its event snowed out. But it doesn't look all that, it doesn't look like we did a lot of spiffing up for this. I think we really will have serious conversations because Denver is far from the only city facing these issues. In fact, I'm not sure there's any city that isn't facing the homelessness issue right now. So uh, it's great to have them here. There's some fabulous free events down at the old Emily Griffith School, um, which is now the Slate Hotel. They've got a warehouse full of free activities. So people should get out and enjoy and meet people. A lot of the other programs are free too. And tell me about the big doll that you all wrote about in Westbury. We did write, it's like Flat Stanley, although bigger and a Mexican doll. And she is going all around town. Okay. All right, so look for the doll. Marianne? I'm really curious to see what kinds of lessons Denver can learn from having all of these other um, communities and, and representatives and officials from uh, the, other, the other cities that are participating in this. I think we have a lot to learn about how to deal with the homeless situation because the Hancock administration has not figured this out. Um, the incoming mayoral candidates, their ideas are not winning a whole lot of favor with a lot of the voters, particularly um, those in the progressive community. 
there's got to be somebody out there that's got some ideas that can say, listen, this is, it's a multi-pronged approach. Here are the different things that you might want to look at. I just, I think Denver has missed the boat so badly on this issue. And as a person who drives past these homeless encampments every single day, I'd like to see Denver really start making, finding a, finding a way for these people to get off the streets and into supportive housing. I know the ideas are out there. There, there are lots of cities that don't have these problems. Where are those answers? And want to get off the streets to a place where they feel safe. Exactly. And supported. Uh, yeah. All right, let's talk about the mayoral race and other races. Municipal runoff season is well underway. Ballots went out this week for the mayoral race in Colorado Springs. Here in Denver, we have to wait three more weeks for the ballots to go out. And this seems to be endorsement time in both cities as, as well. Uh, and let's start with you, Laura. You're familiar with what's going on in Colorado Springs, and there are endorsements all over the place down there. Right. Yeah, I coincidentally um, run a taxpayer watchdog organization in Colorado Springs, and so I'm very plugged into this. What's interesting, and Colorado Springs is not as conservative as it used to be. It used to be considered that conservative bastion. Um, but so we're in a runoff between um, a conservative and a liberal is kind of the, the uh traditional face-off, but it's it's coming down to something that's so different. So Wayne Williams, who's very well known to um, lots of people in, in Colorado for the different um, elected positions he's held, is um, seen as the conservative stalwart. But um, Yemi, and he kind of goes by one name these days, Yemi, um, you know, young, new, um, energetic, is getting some conservative um, endorsements, including from the former Republican Sheriff Bill Elder, um, including from somebody who worked on Trump's team, Patrick Davis. But I would say it's not conservative versus liberal. It's more, are you with this particular developer or are you not with this particular developer? Mm -hmm. Okay, Patty. Well, I have to say, I envy Colorado Springs because it looks it's much easier to differentiate between those two candidates. Here in Denver, people are having some trouble trying to figure out the differences between those two. But I think on the homelessness issue, you are seeing it because Mike Johnston does have some very specific ideas about building housing immediately. There's the whole dispute on who would arrest and who would not arrest if someone is not seeking out the help that is offered to them. So there are differences, but people are going to have to work really hard to figure out which candidate fits their their beliefs better, which is why the endorsements do make a difference. So you have Federico Pena going for Mike Johnston, you have Wellington Webb going for Kelly Bruff. That really will divide, that'll move some, that'll move the needle. Leslie Harrod going for Mike Johnston will also help him. I mean, when you think about the percentages, he was already ahead. If he can get all of her votes, that's gonna definitely help him. Okay, Marianne. I've been watching the Colorado Springs mayor's race um, partially because of who I work for and th th they're very focused on this. Um, I'm fascinated about the changes that are taking place in Colorado Springs, as, as Laura alluded to, where you have a, a city that was once the conservative bastion, and I wouldn't say they've moved to the left, but they certainly aren't as far to the right as they used to be, you know, sort of right of center, I think. Um, watching the race between Wayne Williams, who, who is a very, very well-known um, person who's not, uh, I would not say that he was super conservative. I think he's a good fit for, for the way Colorado Springs looks, looks today. On the other hand, you also have Yemi, who is 
uh, likely to pick up a lot of that left-of-center vote that drove uh, the elections last November, where you wound up with a lot of Democrats picking up seats in the state house who had never re been represented by Democrats before these the districts. So it's it's a fascinating race to watch, and and I can't wait to see what happens on election night. But Ed, you know we're talking about endorsements and Leslie Herod supporting Mike Johnson. We haven't heard from any of the other candidates who didn't make the, the runoff. And I'd be curious to see whether or not someone like Elisa Calderon, very progressive candidate who finished third place, is even going to weigh in on this. I get the sense she won't. And the truth is, uh, Calderon has has intimated before um, and, and that what needs to be paid attention to is the city council races. And I would agree with that. I think that Johnson and Bruff have, have differences between them that are worth looking at. But there are some wildly different candidates running. For example, in the district, uh, I believe it's nine runoff between Daryl Watson and Candy Cedabaca. I mean, you have people who have completely different views on the role of government. I, I believe there's either two or three uh, candidates who've been uh, endorsed by the Democratic Socialists of America um, uh, who are making the runoffs in Denver. The fact is, if they could all get elected, the mayor's going to have a lot less pull, and it's going to really matter a little bit less who is in charge as to much, how much can, can the council do. So I think, I think one of the reasons you're going to see people talking more about the council races is they may become more important in some ways than the mayor's races going forward. Because the city council could run the show. They, they, they don't have to work with the mayor. They just have had a tradition of doing so. Okay. But they do have to approve appointments. They get to approve appointments now, so that'll make a big difference. Yeah. And, and there will be all new appointments with an all new administration. Now let's head into our lightning round where we recap some of the highs and lows of this week. And there was a lot happening. We're going to start with the disappointments, not so great things that you witnessed, Patty. Well, that rumbling you heard overhead during this strange weather week was not really the weather, but it was Dennis Gallagher's, the stentorian tones of our former auditor, senator, state senator, who started the Gallagher Amendment, which was repealed two years ago, with the suggestion that there would be some fix or at least help for property taxes. And two years later, nothing. And Dennis Gallagher, we're sorry. And people are receiving their letters in the mail warning them that $700 maybe is what you're going to be paying more, or it's more in some cases. Marianne. To all of those who are beating the drum for a special session, I just have two words. Shut up. Um, this has been a really interesting session, uh, whether it's the fights between the governor and the uh, progressive wing of the House Democratic Caucus. Uh, so far, I think the governor's got a, like a 3-0 advantage on the things he didn't want on his desk aren't going to show up there. Um, and the, the Republican filibustering in the House mostly of every bill that they can think of to delay the agenda. Um, they've, they've worked very, very hard. We've all worked very, very hard, and everybody needs a break, so, so let's just take a break, please. Let me just ask you, at the start of the session, we, talk, we talked about what's it going to look like with the Democrats in control. Did you have any idea it would turn out like this, this session? I actually, I did, because we know um, what the governor's views on, are on some of the issues that uh, have been brought up by um, some of the new members of the legislature. We had 30 new members in the in the House, more than that actually. So it was going to be interesting to see how those dynamics all played out. And it's it's not been exactly the way we expected, but it certainly has never been boring. 
Ed, your disappointment of the week. I'm glad that it took very little time for a jury to convict uh, a man who I will not name of shooting and killing a 13-year-old and shooting his family this week. Um, but I think it continues to ring disappointment that the man claimed that he had a psychotic episode in doing this. I'm glad the jury saw through it. Uh, but the more that people do this, that fake mental health injuries. It injures people who actually need mental health, and we need to clamp down on that um, uh, more and more so that people can get the help they need. Okay. Laura. Uh, not to beat the dead horse, the impact of these property tax increases on individuals. This is real. It's hurting people, and uh, the legislature should know that. I think it's worth mentioning over and over, yeah. Okay. Let's talk about something good, something positive to end the show. Thank you to Altitude for actually letting us watch the Avs game on Wednesday. It's a shame that they lost. Yeah. Let's hope they do better tonight while you're watching the show. Mm -hmm. We continue to see the fallout from the Dominion uh, settlement with Fox News and, and the firing of Tucker Carlson, who has done more to uh, spread disinformation, conspiracy theories that you just can't even believe people believe in. Uh, I have to say that I think that's a, that was a very good step by them. Um, he'll probably show up someplace else, but not in the with the influence that he has that he has had uh, in the last couple of years. As a resident of Jefferson County, I have to say how impressed I am that the Jefferson County Sheriff's Office so quickly identified and arrested the three people who were responsible for a death by throwing rocks into multiple cars. Good work, uh, law enforcement, Jefferson County. Mm -hmm. In rural counties all over Colorado, um, Saturday will be Meet In Day, which was the response to the governor's Meet Out Day. Um, so there are lots of um, barbecues happening on Saturday. So if you're in a rural community or near a rural community, go celebrate our beef and, uh, and pork producers. Okay. Thank you, Laura. I would like to add something positive as well. No matter the disagreements that are happening in the legislature, lawmakers came together on Wednesday this week to celebrate a friend of mine for the job he did very well for 39 years. My partner over at Nine News, Gary Shapiro, received a standing ovation from the state Senate. When we stop what we are doing and focus on others, right, and we celebrate them, it is a good Thing and we need to do more of that. So yes, I celebrate all of you who joined us for the panel and all of you at home watching on TV or on your device. Thank you. Uh, you can catch Colorado Inside Out anytime on pbs12.org or YouTube and Spotify and Apple Podcasts. I'm Kyle Dyer. Thanks for watching. I'll see you next week here on PBS 12.